<laughs> Tis the season. I hope you're ready to spend a naughty holiday season together. You won't need your hot beverage or a crackling fire to keep you warm. No, no, no. This holiday season, I'll be keeping you warm with all sorts of lustful, carnal, dare I say, obscene tales from the masters of smut. Grab your favorite ardent spirit. Ardent spirit? Aquavitae, grog, hooch, alcohol, my love. Get cozy and let your mind wander as you listen to me read indecent and downright lewd passages from selected Victorian erotica. Listener's discretion is strongly advised, as I'll be reading sexually explicit material. You have been warned. Welcome, friends. Happy holidays, and welcome to our first episode of A Drunk and Smutty Christmas. To kick off our first episode in this series, I decided to abstain from drinking. You're welcome. Because I wanted to talk a little about Victorian erotica. A kind of crash course, if you will, and a way to prepare you for what's to come. Why is it that I'm always putting emphasis on the word come? What's up with that? What's happening? Before getting down to the nitty-gritty of it all, I wanted our patrons to know that they'll be getting extra content. I'll be talking about erotic humiliation, shunga, erotic depictions, and the history of, and pegging, what is it, and the people who have tried it. Oh my. Like I mentioned, this holiday season on Beauty Unlocked is not for the faint of heart and those who have chased ears, so buckle up. So it's never too late to join and become a patron of Beauty Unlocked. Check out our tiers at patreon.com forward slash beauty unlocked. Our tiers start from as low as $3 a month, and you'll have access to extra goodies depending on the tier you choose. Also, you can make a one-time donation. Just check out our Linktree link, which I'll add to our show notes, and you can make a donation there. All right. We got all of that out of the way. Time to get serious. Are you ready? Okay, in all honesty, we're not going to be serious. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. What I wanted to say is, are you ready? Not let's get serious, because there's, I mean, come on now. <laughs> all right, so I don't want to go too deep into it. I did find quite a lot of information, but I don't want to bog you down with so much information i don't want to bore you basically <laughs> so i just want to kind of give you an idea of what victorian erotica is apart from me reading passages of it right <laughs> 
Now, I did mention that, yes, I will, the majority of the passages I'm going to be reading in, you know, the next episodes or future episodes of our Drunken Smutty Christmas is Victorian erotica, but I'm throwing in de Sade, the Marquis de Sade as well. Um, but he's not part of the Victorian era, but okay. And most of you are rolling your eyes right now and are saying, Carissa, get to the point. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. So what is Victorian erotica? So Victorian erotica is a genre of sexual art and literature which emerged in the Victorian era of 19th century Britain. So the Victorian erotica emerged as a product of Victorian sexual culture. Oh my. So this era was characterized by a paradox of rigid morality and anti-sensualism, but also by an obsession with sex. Sex was a main social topic with progressive and enlightened thought pushing for sexual restriction and repression. So one of the concerns or societal concerns for the Victorians was overpopulation, and they thought that this caused famine, disease, and war. So to curb the threats of overpopulation, especially of the poor, sex was socially regulated and controlled. So new sexual categories emerged as a response, defining normal and abnormal sex. Side note, most of the sex that we're all having right now would be considered abnormal sex for <laughs> during the Victorian era. <laughs> Unless you're having a very boring vanilla sex life, in which case, well. Also, if you hear a long pause after I, I've read something or said something, know that it's because I am, it's taking my everything not to make some comment about it, some snarky comment about it. Just know, keep it in mind. So defining normal and abnormal sex, right? We've already passed that, here we go. Heterosexual sex between married couples became the only form of sex socially and morally permissible. Sexual pleasure and desire beyond heterosexual marriage was labeled as deviant, considered to be sinful and sinister. Well, I'm guessing, like many of you, that I'm going straight to hell, it seems. So I guess we can all rent a party bus and go together. Do you know what? I want the sex that I'm having to be labeled as deviant, sinful, and sinister. If it isn't labeled like that, I don't want it at all. But also, it must be consensual. So you're probably asking me right now, Carissa, what would be considered deviant? Well, deviant forms included masturbation, guilty, homosexuality, guilty, prostitution. I'm not keen on the word. I'm more keen on sex work and sex work is real work. And I will not divulge every secret of my life on this podcast and pornography, guilty as charged. Procreation was the primary goal of sex. Ugh, snooze, it sounds like I'm back in Catholic school. Removing it from the public and placing it in the domestic. Yet, Victorian anti-sexual attitudes were contradictory of genuine Victorian life, with sex underlying much of the cultural practice. Sex was simultaneously repressed and proliferated. Sex was featured in medical manuals and in cultural magazines. Sex, my goodness, how many times do I have to say the word? <laughs> Sex was popular in entertainment with much of Victorian theater, art, and literature, including and expressing sexual and sensual themes. Peter Webb, a historian, writes that there are two categories of Victorian erotica. 
on the one hand, the expressive writings of Oscar Wilde and Swinebird, and on the other hand, the coldly calculated indulgence in male fantasy, where women are depicted merely as sex objects. Art and literature provided Victorians with an avenue to express transgressive and repressed sexual desire. Sex was a prominent feature in much of Victorian art, especially in theater and literature, and it was often illustrated by stories of deviance and scandal. Oh my. It is argued that some Victorian erotica rests on techniques of implication and allusion to sexual desires and activity, such as in the works of Wilde, Dickens, and Field. Yet, there are also explicitly sexual works, as compiled in Henry Spencer's Ashby's Forbidden Books of the Victorians, in which the books describe sex in much erotic detail. I think some of the books that I've chosen to read the passages from for you in next week's episodes are part of the compiled list of Henry Spencer Ashby's, but none of these are the titles that I've chosen. But anyway, that's besides the point. So, such Victorian works include The Romance of Lust, My Secret Life, and Venus in Furs. Additional Victorian artists and authors include Aubrey Beardsley, the illustrator of Wilde's Salome, and of course, many literary and artistic works by Anonymous. So let's talk about the female sexual object. It's one of the main components of Victorian erotica, and women were increasingly being defined in terms of femininity, subordination, and the object of sexual desire. So in Victorian life, female sexuality was problematic. only in Victorian life, I'm not going to even go into it, and was only to be expressed in terms of domestic life. So on stage, in art, or in literature, women were inscribed with sexuality, positioned as the sexual object. Societal expectations tied women to the ideas of purity and virginity. I have so much to say, but anyway, I'm not going to get into it. So, erotic plot lines and themes sought to shatter these expectations, crafting women as whores, prostitutes, and adulterers. Women were symbol of vice and temptation. Men were thought to be victims of the female seductress and were the primary spectators and consumers of female erotica. Pornography. So in the Victorian period, pornography on the market boomed and was produced in abundance. Before 1864, pornography was described as obscenity. It's only in 1864 that the word pornography was placed in the dictionary. So pornography was not a clear-cut genre, but a general category of sexual explicitness. There were political concerns that pornography corrupted private morality, disturbing social order. So for the Victorians, pornography was a medium in which they could illustrate repressed and controlled sexual fantasy and desire. So Victorian pornography often depicted the rape, abduction, and subordination of women. Cases and trials of sexual misconduct were a class of their own. Castration was also a theme of Victorian pornography, with it being alluded to the male orgasm. Female characters would threaten to dismember a penis in the height of orgasm, like in The Lustful Turk. So there was a Victorian legislation that was passed called the Obscene Publications Act of 1857, and this was against pornography. It was against its distribution and sale rather than its possession. 
So I want to mention Henry Spencer Ashby, and he is known as the first bibliographer of pornographic literature. And why am I mentioning him? Because in my research, I found something, for lack of a better word, interesting that I wanted to bring to the table. (laughs) So because of this Obscene Publications Act that was passed, it was very difficult, obviously, to get illicit publications. You had to know where to go and who to speak to, right? Um, (laughs) Oh, man, some of the titles of these books. Okay, so like I said, you had to know the bookseller, right? And you would have to use, I guess, certain code words. I mean, it was kind of like prohibition in the States, except this is prohibition of illicit material, right? There was one that uh, Henry Spencer Ashby talks about. And it the, the book's title is The Story of a Dildo. <clears throat> and it was privately printed in 1880. And it was obscenely illustrated. So you can only imagine what the illustrations were, right? And it had a limited... Um, there was a limited printing of it, about 150 copies. So it was a very, very rare book, right? I want to get my hands on it. And you know what? I think I found a copy and I might read some passages for you. <laughs> but anyway, so um, there, there were other, what you call it? There were other titles such as um, Randiana, The Excitable Tales, being the experiences of an erotic philosopher, which was published in 1884. So there were s- these these ones specifically were so salacious that they were kept behind the counter. So in these books, the readers are treated to a potpourri of sexual encounters featuring orgies, ecclesi- uh, ecclesiastical buggery, oh my goodness, lesbian sex scenes, complete with gutta percha dildos, brimming with warm oil and milk. Oh my. (laughs) So I'm no stranger to dildos, wands, double-ended dildos, strap-ons, and the like. I mean, sex toys in general. I don't blush around them. But I I just, I, I couldn't stop myself from laughing when it said dildos brimming with warm oil and milk. And I was like, do they make dildos like that today? <laughs> I can't. Damn it. All right, let's let's get on. So we know about these books, which were readily available in Hollywell Street, which no longer exists, um, thanks to the existence of the first pornographic bibliography in the English language, which can stake a claim to being one of the most thrilling and longest bibliographies ever compiled. It was published in three parts in the 1870s and 1880s by pornography connoisseur Henry Spencer Ashby under the pseudonym Pisanus Froxy. <laughs> like, where do you get? Anyway, doesn't matter. Ashby was the biggest collector of pornography in the 19th century in Europe, and he would have been on first name terms with many of the booksellers of Hollywell Street. My, my. So, as we said, these books were readily available on Hollywell Street, and Ashby describes them. He listed them in this bibliography, and they range from the fairly innocuous to the downright obscene. One of them... Uh, Ashby describes, uh, and it's called An Experimental Lecture by Colonel Spanker. 
And Ashby says, the most coldly cruel and unblushingly indecent of any we have ever read. It is a sadistic account of the whipping of a young girl for the edification of the Mayfair Flagellation Society. I'm not going to continue to, to talk about what's in this book, but it's it's quite heavy. And like I said, next week's um, episodes are not for the faint of heart. So if you can't handle certain... I mean, there are certain things I can't even handle, and and I'm I I like reading Victorian erotica, but there are certain themes that make me cringe. Um, so definitely next week's episode, think twice before tuning in because they can be quite heavy. I want to end this episode by talking about another book that Ashby describes, and it's called The Horn Book or A Girl's Guide to the Knowledge of Good and Evil, published in 1899. So like much of the erotica, it takes the form of a dialogue, and in this instance, in A Girl's Guide, between a bored housewife, Maud, and her sexual tutor, Charlie, who's brilliantly healthy. <laughs> and he's a 28-year-old. Uh, so it's a tale of sexual awakening and a vivid sex manual for practical use. Listen to this. Well, you're listening to all of this, but listen to this specifically. It is divided up into instructive sections on the male and female sexual organs, intercourse, masturbation, sodomy, gamouching, also known as oral sex, and of course, how to fuck without danger of fecundation. <laughs> how I'm going to get through the next couple of weeks. I'm telling you, seriously, we're going to have issues here. Um, but on with this uh, A Girl's Guide. Charlie and Maude demonstrate 63 different sex positions, including dog fashion flying, the sack of corn backwards, the cock horse, the elastic, excuse my language, cunt. I'm... I'm speechless, but also I'm intrigued. What positions are these? Because dog fashion flying, the sack of corn backwards, the cock horse. I'm worried here. <laughs> this article continues to say that it contains this specific book. It contains some great pillow talk. I don't know, but here we go. I should like my angel, says Charlie, to crush my whole being into your sweet body, in your velvet mouth your pretty rose pink cunt, your delicious chocolate bumhole, and I would squirt there in countless jets of thick, rich seed. Oh my. This is just giving you a little bit of a taste of what I'll be reading next week. In other books, it is the woman or women who is the sex monster, reflecting the traditional idea that women were intrinsically more lustful than men. The delights of love takes a female rake as its protagonist, an Italian widow who gives free reign to her passions and perversions mm, after the welcome death of her impotent husband. And as I mentioned the story of a dildo, it talks about three young American ladies resolved to procure a dildo for their mutual gratification. Then they all meet and deflower each other with this lady's syringe. I might have to read some passages in this book for you. <laughs> I just have to because... When you, when you refer to a dildo as a lady's syringe, I'm intrigued and I want to read more about it. I mean, I'm ready for this. I don't know about you, but I am so ready to get a drunk and smutty Christmas underway. <laughs>
So I hope you enjoyed this introductory course of Victorian erotica and some of the books and the themes um, in Victorian erotica or smut or just plain old illicit reading pornography at this point. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this first episode. Like I said, it's not made for everyone. There is going to be crude language. It's just, it's going to be very heavy. It's sexually explicit material. And like I said, it's not made for everyone. I will be saying this, you know, in the beginning of each and every episode next week. So follow us on social media, Beauty Unlocked Podcast or Beauty Unlocked The Podcast. You'll find us uh, in order to keep up to date. And also, just to let you know, I'll put um, a poll up in my stories on Instagram this weekend. And you get to choose which story you want me to read first. Yes. I hope you have a safe weekend and you'll hear from me on Monday. Bye.